0: Welcome to the very first episode of this brand new podcast, Talking Cricket.
1: Feeling exciting parts about this? Yeah, very excited. Um, feel it's a great way to try and get a few things across to our listeners. Hopefully, lots of the boys involved in that, and get some interesting cricket as we lead up to the season.
0: Great. And do you even know what a podcast is, Hugh? Not
2: until you explained it to me, Andy. But I also think it's a great thing, and particularly in the depths of winter, to be looking ahead to the cricket season is a really good thing to be doing.
0: And presumably you're excited about the opportunity to use lots of long words that we don't understand.
2: Uh, The trouble is that just happens too easily.
0: So, um, the first episode is entitled Smashing It, and we're going to chat about attacking batsmanship. So the first question I've got for you guys is, why is that such an important aspect of cricket in this day
1: and age? Um, I'll start off with um, just how the game is changing. Um, 20 years ago, it was a lot more about test cricket and um, first-class cricket, um, whereas nowadays, all the money is in T20 and one-day cricket, so we're seeing a big shift towards T20 batting, which requires lots of powerful hitting and smashing it.
2: You're absolutely right, Paz, but I also reckon that, you know, the currency of cricket has always been runs. And that's true in the 80s when you had great players like Viv. It's true going all the way back into the history of the game. You're absolutely right that the shorter form of the game means that people are looking to score quicker, that it's less about occupying the crease. And that that is really bringing excitement into the game. Um, and that's what we're seeing in the batting. I think there's an element
0: also of um, people wanting a format which lasts a period of time that's similar to a rugby, a football match, an event that they go to which might be only two and a half hours three hours Um, and we're having to supply that product um, for the demand that there is for that and that therefore means a shorter format and clearly as Hugh says we want to see runs and I think that very much explains why they're going to the 100 format this summer um, which I think we're all excited about.
1: Yeah very excited for that Um, and again a great opportunity for the boys at the school in our our inaugural Dorset Independent Schools Cricket Trophy.
0: Yeah absolutely. I think it's also changed the way that test cricket's played, hasn't it, Hugh?
2: Definitely. I mean, it was only about a year ago that Chris Gale walked out to bat in a test match and smashed the first ball for six, something that had never happened in a test match before. Um, and definitely you see the, the strike rates of the top batsmen now in, in test matches, and obviously they're not as quick as they are in the shorter forms, but they're much more getting up towards a runner ball or just shy of than they ever used to. Mm. Um, and again, it makes for more exciting games.
0: And I think you know, even when I was growing up, probably the average score in a day of chess cricket was about 220. Now, if you don't get near 300, you feel a bit short-changed. And I think that, again, shows that, you know, despite the over-rates dropping, mm-hmm. actually the scoring rate has to be that bit higher because the expectations of the crowd and the people who go and watch and pay the money is that much higher.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and also, I think, as cricket's changed again, a- attack is the best form of defence. So... We've had times where bowlers have taken on bowling short balls to try and intimidate batsmen. And quite often nowadays, the batsman's answer is to take it on. And and often, because of their skills from short format, they're good enough to to take it on and and put it out of the park.
0: And ultimately, that makes better cricket. Because Mm. you get a better contest between bat and ball with them taking it on. And I think that's the only way that test cricket is going to survive, if it does latch on to those elements that's come from one day cricket, albeit I think we all agree that five day test cricket should remain,
2: but it needs to be a more dynamic product um, for it to survive. Definitely, and absolutely it's about the contest between bat and ball, and there have been times where one or other has been more dominant perhaps than it should be. But the more you can have a good contest, an exciting contest, and of course as a bowler as well, we're not specifically talking about bowling today, but if a batsman is prepared to play their shots to you as a bowler, you always think you've got a chance of getting them out. So it's not just the, the runs that are scored, but the opportunities to take wickets as well.
0: And I think you know, the, the best test matches now, and luckily we've had quite a few of them in recent times, but they're where the first team gets bowled out for 340, 400, the next team get reasonably near and then the, the scores sort will of decrease as the, as the wicket gets a bit more difficult to bat on. But those sort of scores are better than a team going out in 500s in the subcontinent and then replying by 400 and it sort of featuring out after four and a half days and, and no results possible. So that's really what we want to see. So we'll move on to looking at attacking batsmanship from a, a technical point of view now. Um, one thing I want to investigate first is you hear a lot of coaches talk about having a solid base and being able to access the ball with their hands. So I wonder if we can sort of establish what that really means and why it's important.
1: Yeah so solid base to start with. Obviously in your kind of perfect scenario you've got two feet solidly on the floor, um, quite wide apart, usually more than shoulder width and from there you've got a pretty solid base because all your power comes from the ground up through your body and it kind of finishes off through your hands and the bat. So if you've got a big solid base then you've got more chance of hitting the ball hard. Now obviously Some people end up hitting it off one leg, someone like Peterson did it quite a lot, Um, but even so, it was a big anchor to hit against, and I think that's the key, if you've got a step into the ball, you've got an anchor, and then you can get your body weight and momentum through the ball, and that mixture of a base and transferring your weight through the ball is a big And we can probably compare
0: that to other sports as well, can't we, where, where
2: that's important. That's, that's sort of definitely what I was going to jump in with. You think about something like throwing a javelin or striking a penalty kick in football. It's all about you know, the, the standing foot or the, the explosion of power from that, as you, as you said, Matt, that, that solid base and, and that dynamic energy that is transferred upwards from the feet. So the weight transfer comes from the base effectively and then accessing the ball
0: with the hands is, a, is about giving yourself enough space to be able to get the swing through
1: yeah i think two things there um one is part of the access is actually been able to hit through the line of the ball for people who come across the ball there's not too much power focused where the ball wants to go so it almost slices off as with a golf swing if you slice it, it doesn't go as far as if you draw it whereas if you can hit through the line of the ball where you want the ball to go you're focusing the power all through The ball and it's going to go a lot further so that's one thing which you can only do by having room outside your front foot to get the bat through the line Mm. Um, and another part of that is to actually swing the bat Mm. there's been a lot of talk and people over the years trying to you know start with the bat up by the shoulders but I make this analogy a lot but a golfer would never swing from the top of their swing only because you're not going to hit that far you need to start in a fairly low or neutral position. Look at someone like Dave Warner. His toe of his bat's almost on the floor when the ball's released. Picks it right up above his head and then hits through the ball. So he's getting the full swing to get power.
0: And then ultimately in talking about bat speed as well, getting bat speed through the ball and the bat speed culminating always being at its peak as you strike the ball, which again is an important aspect I think people forget. And that really is where things have progressed People talk a lot about bats being bigger and so on, but actually it's because players have got better at getting their bat speed through the ball. The size of the bat, actually, as we're seeing now with the regulations
2: that have come in, doesn't actually matter. They still hit it just as far. I think Owen Morgan's a really good example there of someone who, you know, with really powerful wrists, he's not a particularly big man or an obviously powerful man, but technically he's he's so well set up with his base with. With that, you know he's gone through all sorts of different swings, but now is much more in a sort of classical stance. And then, yeah, the big swing and the, and the, and the real wrist power, Joss Butler and other. You know, the, the moment they hit the ball, it might not look. Certainly doesn't look like anything out of the coaching manual. But everything you've been saying in terms of hitting through the ball off a strong base, it's all there at that moment. And that's interesting as well because the. Players from the subcontinent used to be the ones who are
0: renowned for using their wrists and their hands because they had to because they're playing on slower pitches, so they had to get that pace in through their hands. And the players, you, two players you've mentioned, have both played quite a lot of cricket around the world in shorter formats and so on. And again, they've had to develop that, and now we're seeing how beneficial that is when they play on slightly quicker tracks. Um, but if you think of Virat Kohli, you know, going back to uh, older Indian players as well, Mohammad Azuddin springs to mind, for example. They used to
2: talk a lot about how they used to use their wrists to get hit through the ball. And I definitely think, you know, going back to that first point we were saying about how the game has evolved, that the IPL has been a tremendous boost to, not just to the popularity of the game, but to to the skill set of the players. And, you know, for a while England wouldn't release players to go off and and play there, and you see the benefits now that they do, and the development in their game, their ability to to play these different shots, to, to try different things, the confidence with which they do them, and just you know the all-round explosion in, in the results as a consequence
0: OK, um, we'll move on the next point is really to discuss the fact that scoring quickly isn't necessarily all about smashing the cover off it um, and that there are other ways you can play with an attacking mindset that moves quite nicely on from your point, Hugh um, players who now play the reverse sweeps the ramps, all those shots that we see regularly but also things like running between the wickets, for example and showing intent when you get to the crease Actually, those are things which are just as important to become an attacking batsman.
1: Mm, Definitely. Um, And it's something I always remember being told from a coach when I was younger, that the team that scores the most singles will always win the game. Which, whether or not that would still be true with T20, is up for debate, but would be an interesting stat to look into. Um, But certainly, the bowlers are allowed to bowl good balls, and sometimes you won't be able to hit the balls for four or six. So what do you do then? and the best players off those good balls rather than swinging and missing or just being a dot they can get it into a gap however they do that and they get ones twos maybe even threes and if you can score off as many balls as you can as a batsman in short format cricket you're going to you're going to do well you're going to score runs
0: and you might hit a really good shot that comes out of the middle but it's stopped by a fielder whatever mm. and we you know that's frustrating the batsman but if you then manage to get a single off the next ball albeit a good ball mm. then you're still at least keeping it ticking yeah. over and Bowlers know that it's incredibly frustrating if you do bowl a good mm. ball and they get a single off it. You're likely to bowl a bad ball, which then can can then get smashed.
1: Yeah, and I think particularly um, in in schoolboy cricket and club cricket, where batsmen might not have the ability to hit such a range of boundary shots uh, or boundary options, being able to score off, you know, fifty, sixty percent of the balls you face is a is a massive skill. So certainly with guys in more grassroots level, if they're good at scoring at one a ball and then they pick up a boundary every five or six... Off the bad balls. Off the bad balls, then they're going to score eight, nine and over and have a lot of success.
2: Definitely. And I think for for those players who are looking to extend themselves and perhaps go into top-level schools cricket or county cricket or, or even beyond, those basics absolutely hold good. But I think that there's two things really that that i would come back to one is absolutely the mindset and the intent about you know when you walk out to bat about being the dominant figure and you can also be a dominant figure when batting defensively as well of course it's all about the way you you set yourself it's partly about the way you, you carry yourself and your body language but also about mindset but certainly one of the biggest changes we've seen is the ability of the best the very best players to school score literally all around the wicket and, and you know, the sort of shots that have been invented and the areas that they can now access where there aren't fielders and I think for, for young players inevitably they're going to copy and look to copy some of those shots and I think that's great but just like any other shot it needs working on in the nets it needs proper practice um, to develop those skills to play those shots Coming back to your point about um, you can defend in, a, in a, an
0: aggressive way with intent I think at the moment Ben Stokes is a really good example of someone who comes to the crease is quite an intimidating character anyway. But when, even when he gets in behind it and blocks it, he does so with a real intent. So he is defending, but it kind of looks like he's attacking the bowler, which, again, as a bowler, it's quite off-putting if a, a guy's coming at you and he's sitting in the middle of the bat even when he's blocking it. Um, and I think that's exactly what we're sort of talking about, isn't it? That we can have that confidence to bat with that approach, Then it just brings
2: everything else makes it easier. I think it is. It's words like intent. It's words like positivity. It's, it's an approach and a mindset which transmutes itself to every area of what's going on when the guy is at the crease. There's no doubt that the, the sort of 360-degree
0: cricket, if we're that, shots all round the ground now has made it again a more exciting um, product for sure for, for everyone to sell um, because bowlers have had to come up with new ideas to counter that. Field as you now see sometimes a backstop which is, used to be reserved for prep school cricket because the keeper wasn't very good but now you see it as actually a, a catching position because mm-hmm. blokes are going to ramp it or slide it off mm-hmm. the top from a bouncer um, and again that just adds because it moves the game on and adds another element to it which I think definitely brings definitely. the excitement that we want to see okay we're going we're gonna to bring this to a close but um, I'd like to finish off by naming our favourite strikers of a cricket ball we're going to choose current play- from current players and also from all-time cricketers. So my current player that I'm choosing as the best striker of a cricket ball is Chris Lynn. Uh, when I last checked the stats, he had actually hit 60 more sixes than any other player in Big Bash history, which is a remarkable stat, really. Um, and I just really appreciate the way that, as Pard was saying earlier on, he has a full swing of a bat at the ball. Um, and also the sound it makes when he hits the ball. It just sounds sweet and sounds like it's gone a long way, which I think adds to the whole spectacle. So Chris Lim's my pick for the current players. And my all-time player uh, would have to be Viv Richards because of the effortless way that he struck the ball. So um, he used to hit it so cleanly, but apparently no effort really, especially through the leg side there. And I remember growing up and, and watching him and, Wanting to be able to bat like him. Never got anywhere near it, but certainly wanting to try and bat like him. And of course, my son is named after Viv Richards. For those of you who don't know, Viv Richards' full name is Isaac Vivian Alexander Richards. Nicely done. Mr T, who
2: are you going to pick? Well, I've already mentioned the the current players who would be in, in the frame as far as I'm concerned, but I'm going to go with Chris Gale. I think the way he's gone about batting, especially in the short form, is just thrilling to watch. You know, you when he was playing at Somerset a couple of years ago and he was regularly plonking it into the river. Um, and again, that whole thing about intent and the way he carried himself to the crease, the swagger, I think that's, that all goes into this, this sort of positive batsmanship and showmanship that we, we've touched on. And I'd have to agree with you, Nertz, for Viv, um, one of the very first innings I, I watched as a schoolboy was him getting big 100. He got 189 in a one day against England in 1984. And he shepherded the tail, I think it was holding at the end. They put on about 90 or 100 together and no one had ever really seen anything like it. And he just destroyed England uh, as he did through you know, many attacks throughout his career. And again, that intent, that swagger, everything about it, I just think was, was brilliant to watch. Pods?
1: Um I'm going to say my current player, um, Englishman, who I had the pleasure of Playing with for a very brief time and kind of chatting to him was really insightful about his short format cricket. But for some of the reasons I said earlier, for the base, the way he hits through the line of the ball and hits it so cleanly, um, Alex Hales, for me, just get his long levers, good base, and he just hits it so simply. Um, Certainly one of his shots in the T20 semi over the summer, where he's hit a back of a length ball over the bowler's head for six. And you just think, how is that possible? So he's my current player and my past player. He's not quite as far past as as yours, Andrew. But um, Matthew Hayden. Uh, now, I loved watching him when I was a kid. Just a big, imposing character who just kind of stepped down the wicket and smashed the bowlers wherever he wanted to. And certainly remember thinking, God, I'd hate to bowl at him and I'd love to bat like him because he seemed to hit it wherever you wanted. And... He did it with power and grace.
0: Good picks. like them. Mm-hmm. Great. And um, that was all about smashing it. And we'll be back next week with the second episode, which is going to be on blocking it. Um, thank you very much, Hugh. Thank you. Very thank much you. Back to you. Thank you. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.